0: Hi, everybody. You know, the psalmist writes in Psalms 150, verse 6, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let everything. He opened up that song by saying, open up our eyes, and it reminds me of a verse in in Psalms 119, verse 18. Uh, I I put it to memory because uh, I I got to meet a a gentleman. He was in his 90s at the time. This was quite a while ago. He has passed away, and I had the privilege of sharing a couple things at his funeral, funeral way back in Michigan. Um, I met him. His, his son was Billy Zioli. Billy Zioli was the head of uh, gospel films at the time. And he asked me to do something with his dad, Anthony Zioli, who was in his 90s. And we did something on film. And um, just kind of asking him how... I was just kind of there to, to ask him questions. How did he come to know the Lord? He came to know the Lord in a prison... Um, he, he somebody gave him a Bible, and, and, and at night w- was the only time they could uh, do, do things on their own. And, and uh, he said that he, he there was a little crack in, in the wall, and there was a light. All the lights were out except for a little 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 light that sign, shined through the ceiling. And he would read his Bible, kind of just moving the light across so he could read. And he's put to memory. And 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 one of the things he told me to memorize is what I pray for us here a lot is open up our eyes, Lord so that we might behold wonderful things from your law. Psalms 119, verse 18. I, I quote it to you often just so that uh, it would be something that we would want to do, want to see what God has to say to us, not so much what we want to say, not so much what I want to say, which goes right in line with, with the message where we're at today in First in, in Timothy chapter 3. If you would, in your Bibles, would you please turn with me to First Timothy chapter 3. I would be remiss if I not, did not say what a great job Rob uh, Selleck did last week. I was here in this service. Uh, yes, thank you. I wonder if he's here to hear that. We've got to pass this along to him. We've got to tell him that uh, that was uh, a nice response. Thank you for that because he is really gifted. He is a, really a, a gifted speaker. He spoke out of 1 Peter chapter 4. I, v- I remember it. Kind of looked at it when I got home again in chapter seven, uh, chapter four verses seven through eleven, talking about prayer and love and the utterances of god and and how we are to serve. It was just one of those great messages that that, that uh, we have a chance to hear and, and to respond to and I just enjoyed it so much. I wanted to tell you that how much I love this church and I love the young people in our church. in fact, if you were not at third Friday. And I know sometimes we can 't come to everything it 's hard as a matter of fact, that again is part of our message today but But if you can come, I, I want you to know that the third Fridays is such a special evening we We gather together this particular past Friday was one of the best times i 've ever had in church i I got to sit with my wife, we ate a little bit, we have a potluck and and got to meet some new friends and new people and and just just the whole of the evening, and then Anthony and, and, and his group kind of led us in worship, and it was just a, a spectacular time. And I would really encourage you to come if you if you can. It is such a wonderful, wonderful blessing. Um, and uh, I just uh, we ta- we spoke of uh, actually we just introduced First John. That was kind of my responsibility at Third Friday, and and kind of talked about what is what is the purpose of of 1 John. And we, we talked that, that John says um, that, that we write these things. He says in the first chapter of 1 John chapter 1 verse 4, these things we write so that your joy may be made complete. And we talked about having complete joy and having uh, no one steal your joy, having the, the joy that you can keep. And that is your decision to keep it. And we, we talked about how in Ephesus at that time, when, when, when John wrote 1 John, that they were, they, were losing, they were losing that joy. They were slipping away. And the reason they were slipping away is they were about the third generation. The, their, their grandparents lived at the time of Paul. And, and that excitement, that passion that, that Paul brought to a community was, was kind of waning. And, and they became blasé about their faith. And that is exactly where we are right now in First Timothy. Paul wrote this letter to Timothy because the church at Ephesus was starting to drift away from the basics and the truth of their faith. And, and so Paul is encouraging Timothy not to do that. As a matter of fact, the Lord wrote in, in the book of Revelation, the last book, that I think we're going to study next. I think we're going to go into the book of Revelation as we, we choose for our next book to study. And in the second chapter, the fourth verse, our Lord says this about the church at Ephesus. He says, he says, this one thing I have against you, that you have lost your what? Your first love. Your love is waning. And that's what is happening at, at this church in Ephesus. As we study this right now, they are drifting away. They are kind of... Um, blasé about their faith. And and none of us want to get that way. That that is no way to live our Christian life. Our our Christian life ought to be... I mean, we ought to, above all people, be the ones with the most joy. I spoke about the joy, and and I've mentioned it to you before. I have a friend that when he calls me, the first thing he'll usually say to me is, Has anybody stolen your joy, John? Well... Of all things, I mentioned that Friday and Saturday. I'm minding my own business, sitting at home, and the phone rings. And then, and, and my, my friend's name is Dan, and his wife's name is Carol. And I had just talked, in, talked to Dan and Cassie, my son and daughter. They're up in Olympia. And today, 30, 55 minutes ago, they had their very first church service up in Olympia, Washington. Oh, I'm going to tell them you applauded. In fact, I just got a text in between these two services. Kay said, we're, we're praying for you. And I texted her back and I said, the first service did the same thing. I texted back and said that we're we we praying for Dan and, and Cassie too. And we, they applauded when I mentioned that the church is beginning today. Well, the phone rang, and I saw Dan, and I thought it was Dan, and Cassie calling me back, and I said, what's up? And it was Dan, my friend in Texas, who always asks me, has anybody stolen your joy? And I'm thinking, boy, this is a God thing. Just talking about him, and he called me. And so I said to him, because he didn't ask me, I said, has anybody stolen your joy, Dan? And he said, yes. And I said, oh, I didn't expect that. Tell me about it. So we started talking. We started talking about just, just the everyday trials of life, you know, just how things can sometimes get you down. So I invited him to come and stay with us. Come and, come and live with me for a while. Come bring Carol. He says, you won't believe this. J.D., our, my oldest, you won't tell me what grade you think J.D.'s in. I said, well, he's got to be getting close to starting high school. He said, oh, yeah, he's first year in college. I said, oh, we're getting old, man. We're getting old. He's much younger than me. He's, he's like old, my son. But I said, we're getting old, Dan. We're getting old. And, and we started talking about, reminiscing about how God has blessed our lives and how God has blessed him. His middle daughter, Austin, had a terrible brain, serious brain. Uh, something was wrong, and, and, and it and, and, and got healed, and they rose all kinds of money for it. And, and In fact, Dan and his daughter, Austin, was on television in New York on one of the Good Morning shows or something, and I remember, we reminisced about that, and I asked her, how's she doing? He said, she's, she's a setter on her volleyball team. She, she's doing great. And I says, man, you should have your joy over that. So we just reminisced, and we talked about, uh, about some wonderful times. Dan, you see, is a writer of songs. He is a cowboy, and he writes poems, and he sings. And he made good friends with Garth Brooks. And matter of fact, Garth Brooks became a hero of mine. I don't know him. I never met him, but Dan told me this story. They were raising money for, over this disease that his daughter had. They were going to kind of house this this hospital with all this, the instruments needed. And Dan had this dream of raising millions of dollars. And so he, he went to this function, and going to make me cry. I'm sorry about this because of uh, just what what happened. And uh, he asked Garth. Garth had just retired, you see, Dan got friends with Garth Brooks, and he, he toured with him for, for two years, he toured with Garth Brooks. As a matter of fact, when they came over here to the pond, which I hear last night is not called the pond anymore, it's called, uh, what is it, it's a Honda Center. I heard, learned that last night. Um, and, um, and, and, and he invited us to, to, to hear him open up for Garth Brooks and... and uh, we went there, and, and really very few people were listening because everybody's kind of scurrying, getting there to kind of see Garth. And Dan and his partner sang his songs, and, and man, I, Kay and I, we were, we were tuned in to Danny, listening to him, and he did so great. And, and uh, as soon as he was through, uh, they, then Garth was about to come on, and Danny came up to where he, we, they gave us really great seats, and he came up, and, and uh, we started talking, and he said, hey, you want to see Garth? Garth's bus? (laughs) Who wouldn't want to see a, a, have you ever heard about their bus that they tour in? It's like a traveling hotel. I said, yeah. So we went out in the parking lot, and we we went back, and they opened up the, the bus, and man, it was like a, it was the most elaborate thing I've ever seen in my life. And we sat in Garth's us. We just reminisced. I missed the whole show. I never got to see Garth Brooks. I felt a little bit bad about that, but I felt great about it, having time with Dan. And we talked about all the wonders of of God, and we talked about those times. And and so I just want to encourage you today not to let anyone steal your joy. I I want us to kind of concentrate on on what what Paul is saying to Timothy, but really he's saying it to us. Paul is getting back to the basics right now. We've come to the close of this third chapter. In, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14, 15, and 16, lead us in to chapter 4. It is kind of a, a transitional place in this book. The first three chapters are, are really about the blessings that God gives us and the, the, the offering that He gives us to emulate those with great Christian character. He tells us the quality the, of the integrity of our character. Well, from, from this breaking point, in chapters 4, 5, and 6, we are going to get some warnings. We're going to get some warnings of, of what happens when when you don't have those character traits within a church. And so Paul wrote this letter to Timothy to to encourage him to bring the people back from drifting away. So I'm saying that to you and me this morning. Let's face it. The Bible the Bible is it's difficult to read. We can get lost in the treasures within these words. There's so much to to, to grasp. There's so much written within these pages. We can get lost in the depth of it if we're not careful. And it becomes too easy for a church or for the believers within the church to get so involved with trying to learn these theological ideals that come our way that we lose sight of the simple truth, the, the simple joy of our faith. Don't let anyone steal that simple truth and that simple joy that Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible has told me so. And so Paul is going to remind, write us to remind us, get us back to the basics. Because of uh, what I've done in, in, in this area, I've got to meet some amazing people. I, I, I got to be good friends with Coach John Wooden, the legendary coach at, uh, oh, some school, I, <laughs> uh UCLA. Yeah, yeah. Go Bruins. Go Bruins. Anyways, I got to meet him, and I got to have time to go meet him at his home. We've had lunch together and, and with Keith Erickson, who is a dear friend of mine. And I wanted to ask Coach a question because Keith told me something was true. I said, Coach, let me ask you a question. Is it true the start of every season that you and he stopped me? He says, you're going to ask if I taught the guys how to put on their socks, aren't you? And I said, yeah. I said, even the seniors? said, yep. He said, I'd have them sit down on the floor. And I'd have them take off their gym shoes. I'd have them take off their socks. And I'd say, okay, guys, here's how you put on your socks. And then I would tell them that if you don't put on your socks correctly, you're going to get a blister. And if you get a blister, you won't be able to practice. And if you don't practice, you're not going to be the team that God, well, not God, you're not going to be the team that we want to be. You've got to learn how to put on your socks and put on your shoes and tie your shoelaces properly. And I thought, wow, that's pretty basic. Well, likewise, the Apostle Paul knew very well the importance of going back to the fundamentals of our faith. This church was slipping away from that truth. Now let me tell you another thing about studying the Bible as we do. When you study the New Testament, you need to know that The New Testament study is a very, uh, it's it's very strategic. It's word upon word. It's the importance of going through the Bible as we do, that you don't duck or hide. That's one thing. But another thing is that you take time because words are critical in the New Testament to understand like the word household here, to understand what does that word mean in connection of the church of the living God as we're going to read in a moment. Whereas to study the Old Testament, the Old Testament's a narrative. It's, it's, it's not so much word upon word, it's thought upon thought. And so sometimes when it, it seems like we're going through a New Testament book a little slowly, that is because we are giving it its respect. It's the respect that it is due. That we take a look at words. That the words that God has written within this book this, that we study, they are critically important. With that in mind, let's read verses 14, 15, and 16. And we'll see that Paul is telling Timothy that he's, well, he says in verse 14, I'm writing these things to you, hoping to come to you before long. But he says in verse 15, in case I am delayed, I write so that you may know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. Verse 16, he says, And by common confession, great is the mystery of godliness. He who is revealed in the flesh, was vindicated in the Spirit, beheld by the angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory, And in so stating, Paul gives us the very essence, the basics of of our belief system, the very gospel itself. But before we get into that, let's take a look at, at this writing so that we might know how we ought to conduct ourselves in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and supporter of the truth. You know, folks, there is nothing more important for a church to gather together than for you and me to get to know and to comprehend what is the truth. And you and I do not have any right to to tinker with God's truth. It's critical that you and I know it. It'll help you and me to not lose our joy. It will help you and me to hold true to our faith, to not drift away from the things of god let's pray before we get into this very very critically important message father please open up our eyes so that we might behold wonderful things from your law so that we might get a glimpse of your precious son jesus christ so that we might understand him more more deeply father we We love you, and we express that love to you by our faith and our trust in your Son, Jesus Christ. And so, Father, we want to get to know more about you so that it might be important in our own lives to just be the the men, the women, the young people that you've called us to be. And how can we ever understand or comprehend that unless we understand what you're saying to us? And so open up our eyes, please, dear Lord. Allow us to behold wonderful things from your law, please, dear Lord. Move me aside, Father, please. I pray that often and almost every week, Father. And you know well, I mean that from the depth of my soul. I, I would prefer that the people not hear from me. I believe with all of my heart, dear Father, that if... If we could feel and sense that we are hearing from your heart, these truths will be much more important to each and every single one of us. They won't be someone that, something that comes from just a speaker, but that we might have the privilege, if you would so desire, dear Father, that we would hear from your heart this morning. Bless us, Father. More importantly, let us be a blessing to you, dear Father. I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Paul penned this letter to Timothy because the church at Ephesus was starting to drift away. They were drifting away from the basic truths of their faith. And so they, just like you and I, we need to be reminded of these truths from time to time. like, Like Coach Wooden would do... We need to know how to put on our socks so that we don't get blisters. These three verses are a turning point from from chapters 1, 2, and 3 to to move on to chapters 4, 5, and 6. In fact, verse 16 moves well with chapter 4, verse 1. But let's begin with verse 14 this morning. Paul says in verse 14 that he hopes to come back. He says, look, I'm writing these things to you, hoping to come to you, Timothy, before too long. In other words, he says, I want to come to you. But whether Paul ever made it back to Ephesus, we don't know for sure. No commentary could tell us for certain that Paul made it back to Ephesus. So he says in verse 15, in case I'm delayed, I want to write this to you. I want to write these things to you, Timothy, so that you might know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the support of the truth. And So Paul gets to Timothy so that Timothy would hear the point of his letter, how we, the believers in Jesus Christ, how we are to conduct ourselves in the household of God. Now, Timothy, as you and I well know by now, is a, is a book about church order. It's order from the pastors, how they're to act, the elders, how they're to act, uh, the, the deacons, how they are to act. In other words, what are their quality traits? What is the issue within the life and the heart of a pastor, of an elder, of a deacon? And I explained to you two weeks ago that, that it is my full belief that All of us are to be deacons in one way or another. All of us are to serve the Lord in one way or the other. And all of us are to strive to have a character trait of an elder, a pastor, or a deacon. So Timothy is a book about order. Order that is lived out within the church of the living God. Well, why? Why order? It's simple. Paul writes and tells us because, he says, in verse 15... The church is the pillar, and it is the support of, no, what? The truth. Now, pillar, pillar in the Greek means that which is foundational. When Paul is saying that the church is the pillar, he is saying we are the bedrock, if you would. We are the very support. We are the foundation of truth. So Paul is reminding Timothy, saying that, if the church leaders that he has written about in, in chapters 1, 2, and 3, if the pastors, and if the elders, and if the deacons, all of us, if we do not represent the truth, Paul is saying the church, therefore, has no foundation. It has no purpose because it cannot hold up the household of God because the household of God must be held up by the truth. And you and I cannot make it into whatever truth we want it to be. Therefore, Paul says to Timothy and to the church at Ephesus and to the church at the Rock Community Church in Yorba Linda, we are to conduct ourselves. That word conduct is A-N-A-S-T-R-E-P-H-O in the Greek. It speaks of a consistent pattern of life. And so Paul is saying to Timothy through the inspiration of God, that our conduct is, is, is to be our everyday behavior. It isn't supposed to be just what we do within these four walls. Let's face it. Within these four walls, within this hour and a half, we can pretty much be nice. I mean, yeah, I still smell okay. I, I've taken a shower this morning. I've done the best I can to come here this morning. This is it. <laughs> this is it. This is my best. I got to, <laughs> I shouldn't say that. My best is really getting weak. But this is it. You know, we can, we, can kind of, we can kind of be Christians for an hour and a half. But Paul is saying we are to conduct. The word conduct means it is a consistent pattern in our life. You see, we are to be consistent in and out of church. Because, you see, we are... The household. The word household there is extremely important. Watch. We are the household of God, which is the church of the living God. The word household in the Greek is O-I-K-O-S. It doesn't translate into a building. Never has. It translates into people, family. The building means you and me. The household is you and me. We are all God's household, family members, people. Therefore, it is our responsibility to conduct ourselves according to God's standards. His truth, not ours. And so he tells us that this truth, this pillar, this support, it's not all about us, it's all about God. This church is not a human institution it's God's church led by the Holy Spirit of God. Therefore, it's our responsibility instead of, as I think so many do, is they get an idea and they say, Lord, this is what I want to do. Come, help me, follow me, do it. That's backwards what you and I ought to do. What we do here, the best of our ability is we get on our knees before God and we say, God, where are you moving the Rock Community Church? Where are you moving us? And it is our sole desire to find out where God is moving. And instead of saying, here, come God, follow us. We say, here we are, God. Allow us to follow you. That's the proper principle of of being the household of the living God. Ephesians 2.19 says it this way. You're no longer aliens and you are no longer strangers. You are now fellow citizens with the saints. You are of God's household, not building, family. You are fellow citizens with the saints. In Acts chapter 20, verse 28, Luke tells us this is God's church, not ours, because it was bought with a price, a very expensive one, I might add. You well know. Luke 20, 28 says, Acts 20, 28 says this, Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. That's all of us. We're to care for one another. To shepherd, Acts says, the church of God, not our church, His church, which He purchased with His own blood. We all belong to Him, folks. This is His church. We're to follow after His truth. So the next question ought to be is, what is truth? I mean, really, what, what, how, how do we know what to follow after? I mean, how can we figure that out? Well, verse 16 gives us the idea of the gospel. What is truth? It says in verse 16, By common confession, great is the mystery of godliness. It says, He who was revealed in the flesh, Jesus, was vindicated in the Spirit, of course, Jesus, seen by the angels... Proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. It's talking about Jesus Christ, the gospel of our truth. You see, we do not invent the truth. We don't have that right. And we have no right to alter it. I've got to have you see this. Hold your place here. Look at Revelation 22. Last book, last chapter in your Bible. Revelation chapter 22. Almost the last words that John proclaims in this great book, the book of Revelation. He gives a very, very, very stern warning against anyone who would either add to or take away from God's truth. Look what it says. Verse 18 of Revelation chapter 22. He says, I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. Note. If anyone adds to them these prophecies, God will add to them the plagues which are written in this book. Verse 19, And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the tree of life and from the holy city which are written in this book. You see Christians, you see teachers, if there are any pastors of other churches that are listening, we are purely called to support and safeguard God's truth. We have no right to add, and we have no right to take away from God's truth. We have no right to change it so it might feel comfortable to those who are attending. I've heard of some churches that have asked their congregation, don't bring in your Bibles because there are some people that Come who are visiting us. We do not want to make them feel uncomfortable. And so they'll feel uncomfortable if they see you with a Bible, and they don't have one, so best you don't take your Bibles. That is so backwards. If you're that concerned for them, buy them a Bible. Give them a Bible so they don't feel out of place when they come in. And nobody who's coming in and trying to seek out after a God, or after God at all, they don't want to hear some half-truths. They they want to hear that two and two are four, not three and a half, and don't worry about it. It'll be all right. No, they want to hear the truth so that they can deal with the truth. And so you and I don't have the privilege to add to, take away from, or change any of God's truth. So how do we understand truth? How do we find it out, well, this is what we do here at this church. We study the Bible line upon line, word after word, so that you and I can get a grasp of what what truth is. We get a grasp of what 1 Timothy is by now. You've got a feeling for 1 Timothy by now. And if you go home and take a look at it on your own and kind of mull these things over in your own heart, you'll get an idea of what Timothy is trying to say. That's how we know truth. But let me share with you what, uh, what God gives us as some principles as following truth. It's all chronicled within these pages that we read what we call the Bible, His truth. Would you please put up on the board these five things? Study? Well, one, two, three, four. Yeah. Study, memorize, meditate, obey and proclaim. I think if you write these words down, and if you write these verses down alongside of them, I think you'll start to comprehend how to better understand God's truth as we go through it. First one is to study. It's in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Listen to it. If you're going to turn and look, I would encourage you to do so. I would, I would even encourage you to underline if you have a tendency to do that in your own Bibles. First, we are to study the Bible. Paul urged to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.15 saying, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, handling accurately the word of truth. Now, if you think that was written just for Timothy, you are sadly mistaken. That, That verse is written to every single one of us. We're to be diligent. We are to be careful to present ourselves approved to God as a work person who doesn't need to be ashamed because we can handle accurately the word of truth. Now, all you might know is Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible told me so. That's enough for now. For now, you're to study that, comprehend that, Handle accurately that at least as you build upon that truth. Study the Bible. Secondly, the psalmist in Psalms 119 verse 11 tells us it is critical for you and me to memorize God's Word. Listen what the psalmist says in Psalms 119 verse 11. Thy Word I have treasured in my heart so that I may not, what? sin against you, God. Thy Word, I've treasured, I've, I've put within my heart, I've memorized, so to speak, so that I might not sin against you. There's no greater... Uh, what is the word, I'm thinking? Something that would stop you than, than knowing the Word of God, stop you from doing wrong. And... And treasuring the Word of God in your heart. So you're to study the Word of God. You're to handle accurately the Word of truth. You're to memorize the Word of God. You're to treasure it in your heart so that you might not sin against God. And thirdly, you're to meditate upon the Word of God. Boy, Joshua says it beautifully. Joshua 1.8 says, "...this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth." But you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you might be careful to do according to all that is written within it. For then you will make your way prosperous, then you will have success. This book of the law should not depart from our mouths nor our hearts. We should meditate upon the Word of God day and night. Some of us who are older, you have trouble sleeping? I got a great cure. When you wake up at night, three, four, five times, I don't know. When you get up at night, you want to go back to sleep. I would encourage you to start meditating on the Word of God. Start memorizing. Start quoting some scripture. I'll tell you what, Satan will put you to sleep so fast to make your head swim. He doesn't want you to know the Word of God. Meditate upon it. Don't let it depart from your heart or your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. Careful to do according to all that is written in it. The fourth one I think is the most important. We're to obey it. Jesus said in Luke chapter 11, verse 28, Blessed, blessed, blessed are those who hear the Word of God and observe or obey it. I think that's key. It's one thing to to know the Word of God. It's a whole other thing to be obedient to what you know. To do the things that you know is right. And so you're to study the Word of God. You're to be diligent to present yourself approved. You're to handle accurately the Word of truth. You're also to memorize it. Memorize the Word of God. Treasure it in your heart so that you might not sin against the Lord. You're also to meditate upon it. Don't let the book of the law depart from your mouth meditate on it day and night be careful to do according to all that is written in it and then obey it obey it carefully Lastly you are to proclaim Jesus commanded those who followed after him to go and make disciples of all the nations He said, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them, he says, to observe all that I have commanded you. And he says, lo, I am with you always, even till the end of the age. We are to study, to memorize, to meditate, to obey, and to proclaim the Word of God. You see, to live in the truth takes a committed life. It takes someone who desires to make an effort to live for our Lord every single day. Not just on Sundays, but every day. We are a people to conduct ourselves, to per- consistently live in this obedience of the Lord. There's no greater life. you want to have any, no one steal your joy... Practice these five things. You want to have a life that, that, that doesn't drift away, that stays true to your faith, and, 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 and you just don't move away from the Lord, you just stay right on course, then study, memorize, meditate, obey, and proclaim. Allow the Lord's Word to permeate your heart. It is a sure-fired way of not letting anybody steal your joy. Father, what a privilege you have given us. You've given us the privilege of privileges, and that is to be a people who can know you, personally know you. Oh, we haven't seen you. We will someday. But Father God, you have given us the promises that one day we will be with you forever and ever and ever in a place called heaven, eternity. Lord, would you please bless us all as we go from here? Would you allow us to to consider the, the truths that you have laid before us this morning? That we would be faithful, Father God, as a people to study your word, be diligent to do that, let us be workmen who doesn't, don't have to be ashamed. We can handle accurately your truth. Let us treasure these things in our hearts, dear Father, so that we would not sin against you. And Let us not allow these things depart from our mouth and our hearts so that we would meditate on them day and night so that we would be careful to do according to all that is written. And Father, oh, let us be blessed by hearing and obeying. And lastly, Father, let us be a people who proclaim your good news to those that we come in contact with, making disciples of all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, may I say to you what I say to you every single day? I love these people so much, Father. I am honored. I am privileged that you have allowed me to be a part of this church I, I I find that overwhelmingly kind of you, Father, and so I pray your blessings upon the people here and I pray even more importantly that something that we get to do today might somehow some way bless you in return. maybe it 's just a kind word to somebody, maybe it 's just as you say a just a cold sip of water to someone it doesn't have to be something great, but maybe it would be. Whatever, Father, may we bless you. Thank you so much for your kindness. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I love you all so much. Thank you for being here. Have a great, great day. Thanks for being here.